The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. Hey Tabernacle family, welcome to the Tabernacle. My name is Brian, I'm one of the pastors here. So glad you decided to join us this weekend. We've got a few announcements that we want to get to you uh, before we start our worship service. All right, first up is baptism. That is going to be happening this weekend. And if you haven't signed up, you still have time to get baptized. We want you to sign up at the Hub. Uh, that'll be the best way to do it this weekend is just go sign up there. Uh, let us know that you want to get baptized and we'll get you on the list. If you forget to sign up and you think later on that, oh man, I forgot to sign up, you can still come and get baptized. We'll still baptize you. If there's anyone that uh, is not getting baptized, we would love for you to still show up and support those who are. It's a big event in our church and uh, in, in our church family. So we want to celebrate with those who are getting baptized and support them. So make sure you show up. Bring a dish to pass. We'll provide the meat. You bring aside and also bring a chair to sit in and, and we're going to have a great time uh, no matter what the weather looks like it's going to be an awesome time because as we're celebrating people who are making a, a proclamation of faith uh, in Jesus Christ so so make sure you come out and support us three o'clock tomorrow or today depending on when you're watching this at uh, at the Wilson's house on Lake Gitchigumi. So we've got directions available for you. So make sure you stop and see us at the hub. Next announcement is something that we do every single summer with our students uh, is something called Floaters on the River. We're doing it again this year. There's a new stu student ministries pastor. His name is Carl Garrison. And we want you to meet him. We want you to hang out with him. So this is your first chance students to really hang out with Carl, with Pastor Carl. Uh, he's a super cool guy. And we want to make sure that you get to know him. If you're afraid of water, don't worry. He's a rescue swimmer. He will rescue you. I guarantee it. So make sure you come out to Floaters on the River. That's August 27th at 9 a.m. You're going to meet here at the church. And then you're going to drive down to Glengarry Bridge. And uh, you're going to float on down the river. It's going to be beautiful. And uh, you're going to wind up at the uh, Lions Club in Mesick uh, at the park there. And that'll be about 2 o'clock when, when you'll be back to the church. The last announcement we have coming up is family camp. The Tabernacle Campout is happening September 9th through the 11th. We want to make sure that you get a spot there. It's going to be happening at Northern Exposure Campground in Mesick. And then if you just want to come for the pig roast, because everybody loves a pig roast here at the Tabernacle, if you want one of those, uh, you can get a ticket. You have to pre-buy it because that's a pass that'll get you into the park as well. Uh, those are $25 per family and uh, make sure you, you get that and you enjoy some pig on that Saturday. That's going to be happening at 2 o'clock on Saturday. On the Friday, they're going to be having a chili cook-off for all the people who are camping. So make sure you bring your best recipe that you can for chili and uh, make sure your, your tents are far enough away that evening because it'll It'll do something to you. I think that's going to do it for uh, the announcements. So if you would please, I'm not here this weekend, but uh, someone even better is. It's Carrie Hart. Uh, she's done a tremendous job for us in the past. Would you please welcome her as we begin our worship service?
Good morning, Tabernacle. My name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors. Uh, I'm so glad that you joined us today. Uh, I missed the spark uh, with Pastor John up here. Did he give his weather prediction? Yeah, he did. Okay, I'm going to one-up him. Uh, My weather prediction is that I promise you there will be no snow. Okay? See how easy that is? See how easy that is? Uh, the second little observation before we get going is uh, I was sitting in that corner and through uh, that beautiful drawing that Bryson did, uh, the bass really resonates over there. Uh, and I think that God's telling you that you need a subwoofer. Okay? Oh, come on. It feels so good. Um, we're in the Once Upon a Time series, and we've got a great story today. It's out of uh, Luke 15, uh, and there are three parables in a row, and, and they kind of expand and grow and show us a little bit more about who God is. But before we begin, I'm going to ask you a question, okay? This is one that needs no response, so you don't need to answer or raise your hand. Uh, I'm going to say a word, okay? And I want you to think about, when I say this word, without... You know, really quickly, does it go on the negative side or does it go on the positive side? Just the initial feeling. Does it, uh, is something that might bring joy to you or is it something that might bring fear to you? Okay. Are you ready for the word? The word is this. Repent. Okay, so you all, your gauges just went all over, right? Uh, you know, one of my friends uh, uh, said beforehand uh, when I was sharing with him that little bit, and he said, uh, you know, for me, the first thing thought is, what? What do I have to repent for? <laughs> Which is great. Uh, that's just pure honesty. I love it. And maybe none of you do. So there's this word, Repent. Uh, My first thought when I uh, hear the word repent is some uh, kind of vagrant-looking, long hair, possibly homeless guy that's just got those eyes that stare right through you, holding up a big sign that just says, repent. And I'm like, oh, it makes me feel weird. Uh, I'm not very comfortable with the word repent uh, because that means that I'm bad and uh, that means that there's something wrong with me and I need to change. And so I've got my mind definitively goes to the negative scale and portion of this parable is to teach us something completely different, completely different about that. And I hope that when we leave today, our hearts about the word repent is redefined. So before we begin I'm going to ask if you'll just bow your heads in prayer with me. Father, we thank you for this gift called the tabernacle. Thank you for this bride of Christ that gets together from the land of misfit toys and from all over the world listening online as well, and that you indeed have made something beautiful out of it. You make beautiful things. Father, your Love and attention to detail for each and every individual here. You make beautiful things. Father, the, the world has failed, and, and, and we do indeed abound in sin, and yet you turn that into something beautiful. Father, may this message just, just resonate in our hearts. May, may uh, it open our eyes. And, and, and may, fa- Father, it, it just draw us more near to you regardless of our relationship. If we're far away or if we're close, may it draw us even closer. In your blessed name, amen. 
So in setting this scene for this story, Jesus has told three parables in a a row, and there's a crowd that's gathered around him, uh, and this crowd is filled with, you know, people that are curious, want to know about Jesus, and so they're there. And some of them uh, are not, have never been, and and never really plan on being what we would term religious, okay? But then there is another group that's there, and and, and they are the religious people, they're the religious leaders, and uh, some of them have pretty hearts of stone, uh, I believe that some of them were there and they were probably willing to be taught and wanting something new. And so Jesus tells this uh, parable of the lost coin of the widow who has no savings and she loses this coin and it's going to devastate her and she finds it and then uh, tells her friends all about it. And then the second one is the one of the, the, the lost sheep and this shepherd has a hundred sheep and 99 of them are there in the pen, but one is gone and he goes on the search and uh, he finds this sheep and carries it back and puts it back into safety. And then he tells his friends all about it. And then this third parable is the one that speaks most to me. This one has been entitled the prodigal son. Um, I, 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 really don't even know what prodigal means. I've got a, some ideas, but uh, I think maybe a better title for, for me anyways, maybe for you as well, is the lost son. It's the lost son because there was a, a, a lost coin and there was a lost sheep, and now we're escalated up to the lost son, a person. And so uh, if you read the whole parable, because we're not going to read all of this one, uh, and you go a little further, it could actually be entitled The Lost Sons. Uh, so I would encourage you, re- read up on this later. But I'm going to read for you out of Luke 15, verses 11 through 24. We've got the setting. Jesus is teaching. Uh, normally I would say, hey, open your Bibles and, and read along. But I'm going to encourage you, just, just watch the screen and watch the drawing take place. The parable of the lost son. To illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed and divided his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time he ran out of money, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father. And say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please, take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But... His father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost 
But now he is found, so the party began. The end. Now, there's a lot packed into here, and, and, and this is really cool. Uh, and there's a danger that we have when we read this story or we hear this story. And, and some of us have resided in the, the church or have been Christians for a long time, and some of us may be brand new. This may be our first time in the church, and we're kind of wondering about it. But let's just get honest first. Sometimes when we read this story, and we begin to think of someone that we know in life. And that person has gone out and made an incredible mess of things. And we can kind of sit back and fold our eyes and go, tisk, tisk, tisk. They're just wasting it all. Right? This is where you go, right. Sometimes, some of us, maybe it's just me, uh, but we are a room filled with lost sinners. Uh, and so sometimes that could be the natural response. And then as, as, as a follower of Jesus, when the person, you know, finally comes to their senses, we're like, it's about time. You know, I've been watching. It's really, it's about time. They should just come back and do what I do. And, and it's a danger. It's just this huge danger that happens. Uh, The danger is thinking that this story is only about the lost son because we can each put ourselves in that position. Now, maybe some of you are expecting me to tell my journey to get here today. Uh, That's not the point. Um, If you want to know my story and you don't, I'll tell it to you sometime in private. But uh, the, the story is also for the existing follower of Jesus. Okay? So it's for you and it's for me. It's for us, wherever we're at in life. The second danger in this is that we want to uh, sometimes come up with a formula. The seven easy steps to repent, right? Uh, That doesn't exist. Do you want to know why? Because he makes beautiful things. And when he makes beautiful things, and he makes beautiful people, when he makes you, he makes you unique he makes you an individual, and he's happy, and he's really glad about that. And, and he's got plans for you. Whatever, whatever your circumstance is life, somehow or other, you're going to be able to bring glory to God. And, and so there's not just the steps to get there. Okay, so those are the two dangers. Now we're going to break this story down. So I'm going to give you the five steps to repentance. Thank you for laughing. It means you're actually paying attention, which I appreciate. The son is on this journey. And he has uh, disgraced his father and in a lot of ways disgraced himself. But he, for everything that has uh, his name attached to it within this estate. And so his father gives it to him, which uh, is weird because I wouldn't do that. But this father does. And, and just in that point, I, I, I need to let you know, it's called free will. Okay, so, so the father just lets him go. So he takes his money and he goes off to a distant land. And in this distant land, we don't know how long it is. It doesn't tell us. It's just a really quick sentence. Uh, He wastes all of his money on wild living. You know, uh, sometimes us Christians can be pretty jealous of wild living. Uh, But he goes and he does it for real. He's one of those real party boys. And so he goes out and he wastes all of his money. And he finds at the end that he's completely alone and a famine sweeps through the land, which means that there's no food, really. It's really tough to get. Uh, Those that had planned ahead may have some. So uh, he finds this hired position with a farmer. He's starving. And he's out feeding pigs. And he's Jewish. There's irony there the lowest of the low. 
So he's out and he's feeding these pigs and even these little pods, these little uh, leftovers that they're going to feed to the pigs, these pea or uh, nuts or whatever they were, just these little pods he's feeding them. And they begin, he's so hungry that they begin to look good. So he stops and he has this moment and this version says he comes to his senses. Other versions say this, he came to himself. And I like that he came to himself. Because when he comes to himself, it's kind of like he came around the corner and there he is. And there's this moment right here. And he does something incredibly brilliant. And this is the beginning of repentance. So it could be the beginning of repentance for this life that was lived really hard and really fast and was flaming out uh, with a lot of victims around him. Uh, or, or, or it could be honest about just something simple. But he gets completely honest about his situation. Now, that just sounds like, oh, that's easy to do. No, it's not. Sometimes we actually need a little help, somebody else to help point us out, like this is what's going on. And, you know, sometimes we really think we have it all together and we've been, you know, following Jesus and successful and doing all of these things. And and, and yet maybe there's this blind spot that we have. But he got honest with himself first. He looked at the facts. I've lost everything. I was rude. I disgraced my father. This person who hires me doesn't even feed me. The pig food looks good. You know, I've really sinned. Then he comes to this brilliant second part. Is he gets honest about the father. He gets honest about dad. He gets honest about God. He gets honest about Jesus. Because the, the father represents them. And the son is us. And he says to himself, you know, this is my plight. Honestly, this is where I'm probably going to die if I stay here. But my dad back home, he was a good manager. And even those that he considers hired hands, he lavishes on them. He feeds them well. He takes care of them. He loves them, even them. This guy here doesn't care. Nobody does. I need to go back home to my father. I need to go back there because he's loving. I don't think he's going to boot me out. I'm not sure what the reaction will be, but, but he's given so much evidence of his grace and his love and his mercy to all of these other people that I bet if I came in and I just snuck in, it would be better than here. So he gets honest with himself first. Often pain brings us there, some level. And he gets honest with himself. The second thing that he does is he gets honest about God. And he gets real. He doesn't go off from fiction or what he read on the internet or somebody who's scared to death of God that's telling him why that's stupid. He's, not, he's just getting real because he's seen the evidence. And the third thing that he does is he does the work. Now, I want to be really cautious here. This is not a works-based sermon. This isn't earning your way. But sometimes in this level of self-awareness and awareness of who God is, there's, there's some processes that have to happen along the way. And his was really simple. It's a journey. It's a walk. That's all it is. Now, it says he was in a distant land. 
Uh, we read that he doesn't have sandals on his feet because his father gives him some when he gets back home. So he does this long, arduous journey, and he doesn't have like a spare amount of cash. So he's probably still very hungry, very thirsty, very fearful on this journey, but he does it because he knows at the end that that's where his dad is. So he does the work. He makes the walk. Now, I don't know what that may look like for us. You know, first, we got to get honest. And then we got to get honest about God. And then we have this journey. Sometimes the journey is the part that stops us right there. It's like, you know what? That's a long ways. Maybe I'll just start eating some of the pig food. Maybe I'll just stay here. Because that looks like a really long walk. But this young man shows us something beautiful. He's willing to do the work. So off he goes, and he makes this journey. And he ends up meeting his father. So the fourth thing that this guy does is so cool. Is he confesses. He apologizes. I think confession is a better word. But, but, but it's real. And the confession is this. I've sinned against heaven and you, Dad. I don't even deserve to be called a son anymore. That's how much I've harmed this relationship. Would you just take me on as a hired hand? The end. How many of us, self-included, like to put little caveats in there, like to add something to the story where I don't have to accept uh, my confession as just me and my choices and my actions. I get to blame somebody else. If you wouldn't have said that, I wouldn't have. If you were, would like to blame, and into this one, there is zero, none of blaming at all, total acceptance of what he did. practically apply that if you practically apply that which but I tell you I, I, I do a variety of marriage counseling and that happens usually during courses of conflict and I've never heard a husband say I've sinned against you wife and heaven and I don't even deserve to be called your husband anymore Wouldn't that feel amazing as a woman? Without him blaming you for your looks or your attitude or how much time you Facebook or whatever, just, just, just having him say, this is who I am, this is what I've done, here's my confession with no blame. What if it was husband? I was wrong and I've sinned against you. I don't even deserve to be called your wife anymore. Most guys would stand up really quick and try to figure out a way to fix it, right? But wouldn't that feel amazing? I think that it would. What, 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 what if that conflict were happening at, at, at work or maybe one of your children, maybe they're grown and they're out of the house or maybe it's a sibling or something. And, you know, in, in so many families I watch where this sibling is here and this one is here and it's like, no, the, in God's eyes, they're here, and that's how, we, that's how we want to see them. And, and maybe there's a fracture in some relationship. And, and that 
the thing is, you just get honest about yourself, and you can get honest about God. And then you can, you can do the work, and then you can have this moment of confession with zero blame or excuses for your behavior. It was just your choice. Do you know we all have the same exact thing? Every single one of us could do the exact same thing, but between all of us, we can come up with so many excuses that it negates everything. So he gets honest. Gets honest about God. He does the journey. That's cool. Then he gets there, and there's this beautiful confession. And then we get to the Father. Remember, I ask you, how do you feel about repent? Right? My friend shared, well, what do you mean I need to repent? I think that's kind of a cool response, personally. Uh, you know, or, or, or mine was that creepy guy. And when the word repent would come off, it would be like, oh, I've done something wrong. I'm in trouble. I've spent a lot of my life in trouble, and I'm, I hate being in trouble. I just want it to go smooth. So I want to avoid that. But, you know, I'm thinking, okay, this repent. Now I'm, I'm going to be the guy who has to come into church, wear the dunce hat, and sit in the sinner's corner, right? Uh, that, those are some of the feelings that I have about it. And, and I think that is pretty pervasive within our culture, within our society. You know, there's been so many jokes written by brilliant comedians about, about you know, trying to say the word, I'm wrong. I was wrong. I sinned. I think the joke is there because we feel so much the same way about this word. In this moment, as Jesus is going through these three parables, the Father's response changes everything. Right? So, you know, when the son is out there and we're the, huh, tisk, 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 should have known better. Yeah, probably getting what he deserves. That's why people don't come back. Father shows us this beautiful, beautiful response. In this culture, at this time, uh, this father represented in the story is a wealthy man. And he is also held in high esteem, and he has a whole bunch of people working for him. And it seems like, according to the story, that people really like being there with him. And so he's, he's, he's just this awesome dad kind of a guy. And, and he's there, and, and it says in Scripture that this guy had been spending his time looking down this road, wondering if he was going to see his son. Wondering. And I don't believe that this dad was sitting there going, well, if that guy comes back, I got a couple words for him. I have some passive-aggressive statements. It's looking with a longing. It's looking with hope. It's looking with love. And so he's looking down this trail, and... Suddenly, he spies someone walking, and at some point, wherever his eyesight was good enough, he sees that it's his son. And this father, who had been mercilessly humiliated in that culture by what his son did, does the most unexpected thing. He runs. He runs to meet his son, and he's not running to punch him. I mean, if I was a kid coming back, it's like, uh uh-oh. But he's running, he's sprinting. You know, he's got to get worn out, he's middle-aged, he's tired, he's running down the road to meet his son. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't do that if it was me and it was my son coming back because, you know, God invented gas pedals and I'm driving. I'm not running. 
So he runs and he sprints and then and we get there. He embraces his son. That's such a beautiful word, the embrace, because, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's like getting hugged by Joe Lashbrook. Ugh, okay, and it's really tight and it's really strong and it's really heartfelt and it's just a drawing together. And, and then his father kisses his son, which was appropriate in that culture. Probably the last thing in the world the son was expecting. And it's just beautiful. This father had run undignified. He could have sent any of his hired people down there to do it. But he didn't. He did it himself. He did it because he's so in love with his son and he sees hope. So this undignified scene happens. And I have a feeling that some of the servants' hired hands ran with him and, because he was excited. He was a good dad. He was a good boss, and they want to be around him. So they're following, and they're wondering what's going on. And he says, nonsense, nonsense. This is what we're going to do. You go get the best robe, okay? Go, no, the one upstairs, the very best. Go get that for my son. And so that person runs off and gets it and kind of comes flying back down to put it around him. And he tells another servant, go get the family ring. Go get one of our family rings because my son is back, and we're going to put that ring on his finger. And remember that calf, that really tasty-looking one, right? We're going to slaughter that bugger, and we're going to barbecue and it's going to be a party. Let's celebrate my son being home. Repentance leads to a party. That's the last thing we expect. Jesus came and turned the world upside down. This is one of the things. There were so many people that were so judgmental and so putting down, and, and, and we live in that today, and we've got you know, the, the, the media world telling us this is how we should be, and this person telling us this, and everything is so accessible that we forget the meaning, and, and sometimes we just got to get honest. This is what Jesus Christ said in this parable. So when the woman finds her coin, she celebrates with her friends. What was lost is found. When the shepherd finds the sheep, and brings them back. He celebrates with his friends. And when God gets one of his children back, there's a party. It is so cool because, you know, it, it just says, so the party began. The party began. The party ensued. Now, some of the fears we have about this is, yeah, but there's going to be a passive-aggressive statement later, right? There's going to be some level of guilt and shame this is going to be brought up in the future, isn't it? Where, yeah, remember when you ran away? Took most of my money. How about if you go warm my car up for me? Because it's snowing. You need to do that because of what I did. None of that happens. It, it, it's not there. It's a perfect amount of love, and it's a perfect amount of acceptance. This is where sometimes, sometimes long-term Christians really lose sight of this message. If you've been following Jesus for a long time, I'm going to tell you, you are not perfect. You have not arrived. And if you're sitting there thinking about, okay, what is it that I might need to confess? What is it I might need to say? What is it I might need to do? And I can't come up with you. Then you need to go find somebody that you trust and let them tell you. Because they'll probably know. It's growing. And our, our lives are meant to be a life of worship. All of life is supposed to be worship. And and. Sometimes we fail. And when we come back, our journey might not be as long. 
Maybe this is our 150th time back this day. And there's still a party. There's still this massive amount of love and joy uh, about, about this turning. See, repent means I'm going to turn from what was and turn to God. I'm going to turn from my wildlife and go home to Father. You ever wonder why he left in the first place? You know, so often I like to read those stories and it's like, well, that wouldn't be me. Yeah, it would. That was me. That might have been you, but, but why did he leave in the first place? And it, it's like, I'm tired of these rules. I'm tired of being loved all the time. I really want to go have fun. I want to, you know what? I get to be in charge of me and my life. And I'm tired of this. I'm going to go and do it for real. And many of us have been there. Uh, it, 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 it's part of the human condition. It's part of sin. It's, it's the pride issue that we all struggle with. And uh, some of us continue that way forever. And, and we, can, we can hold on to the pain, but that doesn't mean that the Father isn't waiting and watching and hoping. And that doesn't mean that if you finally turn around and you don't get to go far enough away to not have the same response. Okay? You don't. So when I say the word party, I don't know what comes into your mind. Mine used to be how many kegs will be there. That's funny and true. Uh, but, you know, things have changed. And I grew up in this church, and in, it's the Reformed Church of America, the RCA, uh, Reformed people. I don't know if there's any of you here. Uh, I love Reformed theology. It is so dead on. It is brilliant theology. But one of the things that happened with the, uh, the, the Dutch who came over and began uh, this Reformed church was... Uh, they ended up being called the frozen chosen. You know, they didn't show a lot of emotion. They were like, oh, that really hurt. You just broke my leg. I'm like, oh, we just had twins. Yay. Oh, we're having a party. Hmm. So that's the culture I grew up in. And when I moved to Buckley, I felt right at home. <laughs> I don't know what denomination or zero or whatever you came from, but that, that's something that we struggle with a little bit is this, let's go free, you know. Uh, if we were down south and a bunch of people saw the worship that was happening uh, today, it would have been loud and crazy and amens and all of that stuff, and, and we sing quietly. You know, we're very respectful people. But God's going to invite us to parties, and we can do what we want to do when we're there. Uh, he makes beautiful things. We have this opportunity today. So I don't know what your plans were for the day, but they're going to change. Okay? Because I'm a pastor, and I have some power you don't know about. No. <laughs> I have zero power. Uh, I'm going to give you an invitation to come to this party, this celebration, this thing called baptism. Because when the sun came home and there was this party going on, everybody came. It wasn't just him and his dad and two servants. It was everybody. It was the community. His dad was well known throughout this, this land, and he invited everybody to this party. And it was a huge, multiple-day-long celebration. Well, today we're going to do baptism up at Bob and Mary's on Lake Gitchagumi. And, and, and God, in his wisdom, making all of these beautiful things, we're going to show up. And... We're going to watch some people publicly proclaim Jesus Christ as their brother, as God, their father. 
They're going to publicly proclaim without any shame that I'm going to do my best to follow. And, and there's, there's a level of repentance and humiliation to walk up there. It's not humiliation. It's humility. But we want humiliation to be the reason. I don't want to walk up in front of all those people. So if you haven't signed up and you would like to be baptized, go sign up. Don't let fear be the reason you don't. Okay? Don't let that happen. Um, if you just first heard about it and you want to sign up, go sign up. But like Brian said on the video uh, earlier, if you don't sign up and you make that decision between now and then, go. We'll baptize you. There will be no forced baptisms. Okay? <laughs> Uh, but, but anybody who wants to, it's, it's going to be awesome. And, and the way it's been over the years, if you haven't been, the crowd keeps getting bigger every year. And it's on, you know, like get you, get you down there. And it's, it's just so beautiful, uh, the pictures from across the lake, because there's just hundreds of people. And when somebody comes out of the water, the place erupts in applause. I want you to be part of that. I want you to learn how to have a party with God. Because somebody's being redeemed. Somebody's repented. Now, you're going to need to bring a lawn chair, okay, uh, or, or sit on the grass. Uh, if you've got kids, you're going to want to bring a bathing suit and towels because they're going to be in the water because they're kids, and that's good. Uh, you need to bring a dish to pass, and if you don't know what to make, uh, because the meat and the drink will be provided, uh, the general store has these little bags. They're white, Little Debbie's donuts, chocolate color. They're this big. Buy them. I will eat them. They're my favorite. Heaven is going to be erupting today. They've already seen the heart, and now they're going to see this action. Jesus says, you know, repent and be baptized, and that's what's happening today. Every time, man, this party's going on in heaven. We, uh, the tabernacle here and online, we, we get to celebrate that. It is so beautiful, and I don't want you to miss out. So maybe you have something that you have to go to go. Don't, don't feel guilt. Uh, but if you're just like, well, you know what? The couch looks pretty good. Uh, no, don't do the couch. God has something special in store for you today for us, his bride, the tabernacle. So cool. So I hope that you get a different picture of repentance. Repentance doesn't lead to the dunce cap, and now I'm shamed, and people are going to look at me. It leads to the father running embracing, kissing, giving you a ring, a robe, and a party, and he's so glad you're back. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this story because we get stories. We don't often get theology, but we get stories. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Thank you for this example. Thank you that you wait for each one of us the exact same way that you waited for the lost son. Your blessed name, amen. God bless you all. Have a great day, and I hope to see you at baptism.